Audio Wrangling is a sister site to Audio Angling, which allows people with angling and related topics to express them freely as an insight into what some of the issues were in the early part of the 21st century. My name is Phil Williams and the topic here is a presentation made by Mike Armstrong of CFAST to the North West IFCA in March 2014 on the subject of the Sea Angling 2012 survey looking at the socio-economic effects and national economic benefits of sea angling to which I intend to add a few comments of my own at the close. Well, uh, thank you very much indeed for inviting me to these wonderful surroundings to, to give this talk. Uh, myself and my colleague and our, our DEFRA colleagues, Emma and Del Kine, have been on a bit of a road tour all the way around England, uh, giving these talks to the, the nine men in Lithgow's, and this is the last one, so uh, it should be well, well practiced by now. Uh, as you can see, this, this has been actually quite a major project with a lot of different people involved in it. Uh, it's actually turned out to be probably the most comprehensive study of sea angling in terms of its scope and its geographic coverage ever done in the UK. And all the IFCAs were involved in it, as you will see. Uh, and in particular, in the northwest, it was Helen Ick, who I think has moved on now, and Alistair Lindop, who kind of picked up the baton did a fantastic job under often very difficult circumstances and doing work that had never been done before. Uh, so thanks very much to them and anybody else who supported them uh, during this project. So the project involved uh, ourselves, the CFAST, the Marine Management Organization, all the IFCAs, uh, a contractor called Substance who did the economic study, uh, a couple of universities involved, and as I said, ourselves. So a lot of work was involved in this. So the first question is, uh, you know, what, why do we need to do, I'll maybe just move back here, why do we need to do a survey on sea angling, you know, who, who needs the information? Well, there isn't an awful lot of evidence on sea angling and in order to develop policy, which is all evidence-based, then you need information collected in a robust way. So we're looking at uh, helping uh, national government, DEFRA, to develop its angling policies nationally and in the international sphere as well. Uh, obviously yourselves who have your, your kind of local angling policies that you're developing. Uh, also to balance this out, you know, in, in talking to angling bodies, they themselves need this information so they can develop their own policies, you know, to bring to the table in discussion. And last but not least, uh, it has been since 2002 a legal requirement uh, from the European Commission under the data collection framework and the control regulation to provide estimates of recreational catches of a number of species, including bass, cod, sharks, eels, salmon, and tuna. We didn't bother too much about tuna in the Irish Sea, but the other species are, are relevant. So what is it that we tried to collect during this project? There's a whole lot of things that we needed to know about sea angling. First of all, how many people go sea angling in the country? Because we need to know that to work out how much you know, they spend in total, how much they catch in total. How often do they go fishing from the shore, from boats? What do they actually catch? You know, what do they catch per day? What do they catch per month, per year, from the shore or from boats? How much do they spend? And also, what are the other benefits in terms of social uh, health and things? In fact, the stakeholders on our steering group asked specifically for this to be included in the project. Now, in order to do this, we couldn't just do this in one survey. It required a whole range of surveys to do this. And over on the right, you can see the different surveys that were conducted. We had to do a survey of the entire population of Great Britain on the back of an Office of National Statistics survey in order to find out about the number of anglers, how often they go fishing. Uh, we built up a list of charter boats all around the coast and sampled those randomly to kind of work out how often they go fishing, what they catch. 
That was done by the MMO. Also, the household survey was funded by the MMO. Uh, the shore and private boat survey, that was to find out what's caught from the shore from private boats, obviously, all around the coast. That's where the IFCAs were involved in carrying out that sampling. And also then the economic study and the social values was carried out by the contractor substance, and that was funded by, by DEFRA. So overall around this, uh, we, we appointed a steering group. We thought it was very important to get the stakeholders involved in this from an early stage. So we set up a steering group that involved uh, government, CFAS, MMO, uh, the people doing the work, the IFCOs, uh, people from the Angling Trust, from the Bass Angling Sport Fishing Society, a couple of uh, charter boat associations, and some academic people who are uh, kind of experts in the field of surveys. So all these people helped us guide the project and make sure that the outputs were things of use to all the people that I mentioned earlier. Okay, so let's start off with how many people go see angling. So on the basis of the uh, Office of National Statistics Survey, which ran monthly throughout 2012, over 12,000 households were interviewed face to face. And on the basis of that, uh, we find out that just over 2% of households in Great Britain have people who went to sea angling at least once in the year. Um, you can raise that up then, uh, you know, using the way they do with all the facts in, the, uh, in this survey, and you come to just over a million people uh, went to sea angling in 2012. And of those, just over 880,000 were in England. And you can see the breakdown by uh, devolved administration over on the right. So the bulk of it is in England. Okay, so how much do uh, sea anglers spend? It turns out they actually spend quite a lot of money. It's possible to spend a lot of dosh on sea angling, and a lot of people do. So it balances out between people who don't spend very much and people who go out and buy fancy boats and expensive engines and the latest fishing tackle. So based on a, an online survey, which we had to then make some adjustments you know, to account for you know, how keen anglers are, how often they go angling, uh, based on that, and raising that up to the total population, uh, we worked out that just over one billion pounds are spent each year on sea angling, uh, which reduces down to 831 million once you take taxes and imports out. That supports over 10,000 full-time equivalent jobs and pumps in 360 million pounds <coughs> gross value added. Now that's not the entire economic impact because there are downstream effects in the economy. You spend a pound in a tackle shop, that pound you know, generates other spend down through the system. And when you take all that into account, the total value comes to over 2 billion pounds per year, 23,000 FTEs and nearly a billion pounds gross value added. Now these are big numbers. We've had uh, similar figures have come out of earlier studies back in 2004. Uh, a study called the Drew Report came up with figures that aren't that different really. So the amount of spending you know, hasn't changed radically. It's actually gone up possibly over time. Uh, but you know, these are big numbers and the angling community is obviously very happy to see that angling is a big economic force. Uh, so what are the social benefits? Uh, pretty obviously really it gets people out into the outdoors. For over 60% it's their their main way to get out into the wild and experience nature, bring them into coastal communities where they bring money, of course. Uh, a lot of our coastal communities are maybe not doing so well in the financial downturn. A lot of uh, anglers also get involved in other environmental work, uh, beach cleanups and things like that. So 18% of a million people, you know, it comes to a lot of people out doing useful things in the environment. And it's obviously a very healthy thing for people of all ages to do. Okay, and also when we asked anglers, you know, what would encourage them to do more angling? 
And uh, the, the overwhelmingly, the biggest response was more fish. They want to see more fish in the sea. More fish, bigger fish, will encourage people to go fishing more often. Uh, and the majority of people that we interviewed also felt that they've seen in their lifetime anyway a long-term decline in fish stocks and in size of fish. So they want to see more fish, bigger fish, and they'll go out and spend more money. So let's have a look at the, uh, some of the results of the surveys. Okay, well, first of all, where did it take place? Well, it's taken place all around the coast of England, within all of the IFCA areas. And in terms of the IFCA survey of shore and private boats, uh, we visited in total nearly 1,500 shore sites all around the coast and just over 400 private boat landing sites and interviewed 2,440 anglers. Uh, the charter boat survey was done a little differently. That was based on a, a list of about 400 charter boats that we built up by trawling through the internet and other sources of uh, information on that. And you can see on the right how the number of charter boats in the list are split by area. And uh, I'm afraid you're kind of the poor cousins here with only nine charter boats were identified. I'm sure there are probably more than that. Uh, and unfortunately, those who were selected for the survey uh, took umbrage at some problem with the MMO apparently and decided not to provide any data. So there's actually no charter boat data for this area, which is a bit of a shame. Something we would have to rectify in the future. So out of that 400, about 170 charter boat skippers agreed to participate in the survey. and. Uh, for those uh, skippers, we randomly selected skippers each month and provided them with a monthly diary that they filled in all their activities, all their catches. And on the basis of those diaries, we're then able to raise that up to the total population of charter boats, work out you know, how much fish is caught, how many anglers go angling. So in fact, in the sampled boats, there were about 5,300 anglers provided data into that. So it's quite a, quite a big data set. So having a look at you know, where anglers come from, that we see around England. These are the, uh, the postcodes of all the anglers who were interviewed in the IFCA surveys all around the coast. And the vast, vast majority are actually resident in England. Very few people uh, from overseas or from, even from Scotland or Wales were interviewed in England, surprisingly. Probably a lot of people around here go to Wales, but it doesn't seem to go the other way around. So they're kind of spread out all over, but they are clustered mainly around the coast. And if you look at only people who go private boat angling, those are very much clustered around the coast. People who own boats tend to live near the coast. Uh, you may be interested in knowing where the people interviewed during your surveys live. Obviously, a lot of them live close to the coast here, but they do kind of come from further inland, all the way over to the, to the east coast of England. Um, one person from up in Northumberland, I think that is. So um, some useful information in there. Uh, some other information about the surveys in the northwest here. These are the sites that were visited during the year by uh, Helen and others, uh, spread around the coast here, quite a lot around uh, the Wirral and, and near Liverpool. These are all the private boat sites that were visited. It proved much more difficult to encounter private boat fishermen. They're very ephemeral. They, they come in over a very short time, and you can sit around for a long time and not see any. So we actually didn't quite interview as many boat anglers as we would like to. But overall, 232 anglers provided data. 13% uh, of the anglers of the parties that were in refused to provide data, which was one of the highest refusal rates uh, around England, surprisingly. But still, it's a, it's a good success rate for any public survey. Uh, at the time of surveying, nearly 60% of shore anglers had already caught something, and 83% of boat anglers came in with a catch, which implies that 17% uh, of people who go out in boats come back without having caught anything, which is interesting. 
5% uh, of the shore anglers were involved in competitions and none of the boat anglers at the time of the survey. And interestingly, we found that quite a lot of anglers actually do belong to clubs. 15% uh, of shore anglers interviewed in your area belong to a local club, and 25% of boat anglers belong to a local club as well. Typically, it's, there are more boat anglers who belong to, to local clubs, and not just not the angling trust or anything like that. It's kind of the small local clubs. Okay, so this kind of looks like a fairly complex slide, but it summarises for the whole of England uh, kind of the overall res results that we got uh, for all the areas. And this is looking across the way at charter boats in the middle at private boats uh, and rented boats, and down at the bottom shore angling. So down the left here is our estimated numbers of days fishing in total by the entire population of anglers in England. And you can see that uh, the smallest number is for charter boats, uh, which is 0.1 of a million. Uh, the biggest number is for shore anglers at nearly 3 million. And in the middle is private boat anglers who spend about a million days at sea in total. But if you want to catch fish, then you go out in a charter boat, because on average, uh, anglers caught 10 fish per day per angler in a charter boat of various species. The least were from the shore, just under two fish per day per angler. Obviously, that ranges from zero to uh, sometimes quite large numbers. And in the middle, uh, again, is private boats at just about five fish per day. Now, you can see here, Based on these data, we can work up how many fish are caught in total during the year. So by multiplying these figures together, you end up with uh, a million fish caught in total on uh, charter boats, and uh, between four and five million fish each by private boat and from the shore. So these are quite big numbers of fish. But also, you'll see down in the right-hand side, there is the percentage of fish that are released back alive into the sea. Uh, these turned out to be much bigger than we ever anticipated. And it seems to be a bit of a trend for sea angling in many parts of Europe. Uh, about half of the fish taken by charter boat anglers is actually put back alive into the sea. We don't really know what the survival rate of those is, but they are put back alive. And the same for private boats, it's about half the fish. Shore anglers put back nearly 80% of their fish alive, largely because they do kind of catch quite small fish a lot of the time. And for some species like bass, it's very much a culture to, uh, to put fish back. Uh, this kind of picture shows on the left for the whole of England how the total catch, that kind of 10 million fish, uh, breaks down by species. And the vast bulk of it by number is mackerel at about 27% and whiting at 19%. Uh, it's not rocket science probably to guess that those would be the two highest species. Surprisingly, bass came in at 10%. And then you've got dogfish, dab, cod, etc. all the way down. Uh, and that's for the whole of England. When you look at Northwest Ithaca on its own, then the, the main catches here are whiting, flounder, cod, dab, and bass. Again, bass coming out perhaps more significantly than I, I would have anticipated. Okay, so um, now I want to go on to look at uh, kind of catches in wet that are, that are required by the European Commission under law. So they're going to be looking at these figures and have looked at these figures already. So we're interested in how much fish is caught and kept, and what is the weight of that in total. And uh, so we're looking here on the left at bass for the whole of England and cod for the whole of England on the right. And this is the breakdown by private and rental boats, shore and charter boats. And you can see that private boats takes the bulk of the, uh, the bass catch, at least in terms of our estimates. And over on the right, uh, about half in terms of cod. Now the figures at the top, or the, there's a range of figures because we actually find it very difficult to estimate the total fishing effort in the population and we had to apply a number of different methods to do that 
and in fact weren't able to decide in which is the best of those, uh, at least not yet. So there is a range of figures, each of which also has a measurement error on top of it. But the figures that are coming out are you know, quite substantial. So for the total uh, bass catch, it's between about 400 and 700 tonnes per year. And the kept component is 230 to 440 tonnes. So those are not, they're not insignificant numbers. They're not huge, but they're not tiny. In terms of cod, the figures are bigger, at uh, between 500 and 900 tonnes for the total catch. And the kept catch is actually quite a high proportion of that, because the bulk of the small cod that are put back are actually small cod and they don't weigh so much, whereas a lot of you know, big bass are put back alive. So again, these are, are quite big, big numbers. So some again, you know, the figures on release rates, bass, 82% put back alive uh, from the shore, 57% from boats and 37 from charter boats. And the return rate for cod is a bit less, at uh, 56% for shore, 27 and 18%. So fewer cod are put back, uh, probably because people like to eat those, as opposed to bass, where, as I said, there's a strong culture of uh, catch and release there. But a lot of this release rate is around the minimum landing size as well. Okay, so how do these figures relate to, to what other people have found around Europe? Because again, the European Commission is looking at this not just on you know, one country. They want to know how much is being caught by all countries and how that relates to the commercial catch in those, those countries. So looking first at bass, this is our figure from Sea Angling 2012 for kept bass, you know, 230 to 440 tonnes. Compare that with the commercial uh, landings of bass from the UK as a whole. So this includes whales as well. We haven't got the survey data for whales, but the figure comes out at 900 tonnes. Now we know that itself is an underestimate because a lot of bass get sold uh, below the, the kind of horizon, so to speak, through the 25 kilo uh, dispensation for disposing of fish without uh, providing documentation. So that's an underestimate, but still, it uh, comes out at about you know a third of the, the reported uh, total commercial landings, bearing in mind that that's for the whole of the UK and that's just for England. If you look at the Netherlands, the ratio is actually quite similar. Uh, they estimated 128 tons of bass kept in 2011, uh, compared to their commercial landings of 370 tons. And France has had a really big survey for a couple of years now. And they're coming up with figures of about 940 tons of bass kept along the, uh, uh, the kind of the Channel and Celtic Sea coast, compared to their commercial landings of two and a half thousand tons for this area. So actually, the ratio of recreational to commercial is actually pretty similar in all these areas, which gives us some confidence in in our results. But it also indicates that, as I said, recreational catch is not trivial. It's not the biggest part of the catch, but it's not trivial either. So you know, the Commission will be looking at that in terms of bass conservation. Uh, the case for, for cause is a little bit different. Uh, when you look at it in England, our figures of 430 to 20 tonnes actually looked like quite a big component of the total recreational catch, or total commercial catch in England only. So 1,500 tonnes reported into England commercially. But of course, when you go north of the border here, there is a, a huge catch of cod you know, in Scotland. So the total you know, commercial landings of cod around the UK are more like 13,000 tonnes or something like that. So there's no way that the recreational catch in Scotland you know, is, is a big component of that. So I think we can fairly safely say that on the scale of the UK, the recreational catch of cod is probably a small component of the total. That's not to say in some areas that the ratio is not bigger, as we saw in England. 
is quite a high proportion. It may be that in Cumbria, where the cod stock is actually itself uh, still in a collapsed state, and the commercial catches are actually quite small, that the recreational catch may also be a high component, but it's difficult to, to give estimates at such a small scale. Okay, so when you look at other countries, then you see again that the recreational catch is actually quite a small component of the total commercial catch. So I think again the, the Commission will look at these figures and they will say overall that uh, you know, exploitation of cod in most areas is probably predominantly a commercial activity, but there may be hot spots around the coast where, where that doesn't necessarily apply. <coughs> so I think that the figure for bass is probably more significant than the figure for cod. Okay, so just to conclude then, the, the major kind of take-home messages from all of this is that it's, it's a major recreational activity in the UK, or in England anyway. High economic value, two billion pounds into the economy, has important social benefits. Uh, these are all things that need to be taken into account in considering kind of development of angling, you know, within sustainable exploitation. A high percentage of fish is put back alive, so there's kind of a, kind of a large kind of conservation ethic within sea angling. This obviously does depend on the type of fishing and on the species. Some species like taupe and smooth hounds, you know, they all go back alive. Uh, estimates of annual catches, there's a lot of uncertainties around these, but I think we can say with some certainty that catches aren't trivial. Well, species like bass and cod, they're not massive, but they're big enough that they probably need to be taken into account when thinking about conservation of a number of species. And uh, we believe that our results are fairly consistent with results in other countries. Um, so we're not <coughs> kind of too worried that we're a long way off the mark. If you want any more information, we have a website. Uh, this takes you through, in fact, to an MMO website where you can pick up uh, the reports, the final report of the project. A lot of information in there. Well <coughs> worth reading. Uh, keep, good to keep you awake at night. So uh, just last slide is to, again, just to thank all the IFCAs who, who did work pretty hard in this project. It was a very difficult thing to do very difficult conditions working throughout the day, weekends, weekdays, uh, you know, to try and make this project a success. And also, obviously, to all the anglers who provided this, we were very, very thankful to them. Uh, we thank the project steering group, which includes DEFRA, for their support, and the people who provided the money, of course. Many thanks to them. With a set of statistics like this, requested by and delivered to government, it's going to be hard for them to give disproportionate weight into the commercial sector overangling in the future, which can only be a good thing. Having said that, I also have to question some of the figures given, and wonder if and how they could be used in the future against sea angling. For example, the fact that dogfish, which is all anglers know about in plague proportions, make up only around 6% of the reported angling catch. That means that out of every 100 fish caught, 94 are going to be species other than dogfish, which I personally find very difficult to take on board, particularly over the spring, summer and autumn months. Bass and cod catch figures coming in at around half the total landed by commercial fishermen is another worrying and very unlikely stat. It could be taken either way. On the one hand, it flags up the importance to angling of both species, while on the other, it either suggests that angling could also be implicated in the demise of both stocks, or that total commercial landings data, which doesn't record boats under 10 metres, the ones which crop most of the inshore stocks, are inaccurate. It could even be anglers over-egging their own catch data, for whatever reason they might think helps. 
In summary then, it represents nothing more than a snapshot taken from a fraction of those who do actually fish with rod and line, manipulated statistically to arrive at an overall figure, presumably with some stated percentage of probability, which at the end of the day is probably the best we can ever hope to get.